judge a person and it turns out you didn't have the whole story? Ever learn there was a lot more to that story than you first realized? I'm Kimberly. And I'm Rebecca. Join us as we separate the little lies from the big reputations. Welcome back. Hey, welcome back. Oh, I got a burp already. <laughs> oh my God. It's the rosé. It is. It is. Well, it's the bubbly rosé. All right. It's the best. It's fine. Um, what's up? It's, what? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's March. It's the end of February, March. Well, we're recording this in advance because yeah. you're going to be on your honeymoon at the end of March. Yes. And so we can't record when it's going to come out. So. Yeah. So this is all a, a time warp. Who, who knows? Does You know what? Does time, time is a construct. It, it doesn't is. matter. Exactly. It's wibbly, a day. Don't worry about wobbly, it. Wibbly, wobbly, timey, wimey, and Jeremy, Baramy and all that stuff. What? Did you watch The Good Place? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was oh like, God, all right, listen, I'll give you Ted Lasso and I'll give you Shit's Creek, but if you tell me you haven't watched The Good Place. Then... Um, I am obsessed with Kristen Bell, so yeah, yeah. anything she's in, I'm going to watch. Okay. All right. She's Good. fantastic. Yeah, she needs if... to be on Ted Lasso, I guess. Would that make you watch her? Because I'll write to Jason Sudeikis and make it happen because I have that she power. She <laughs> has to be in the show and he's not. Ugh. Because it's Jason Sudeikis. I don't like his face. I don't. It, listen, I, why, why, why start off this way? <laughs> you started off this way. I, you, you did. <laughs> you did. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> I hate Jason Sudeikis. I don't want to watch him. Sorry. Well, I don't have a problem with him, but let's talk about something that you do like. I do like um, concerts and I was very excited, but like, so the whole plan was to have like back to back Johns. Like I'm going to see, or I was going to see John Mayer on the first and then Elton John on the second, but John Mayer has COVID. So he postponed his Long Island dates to May. So that's fun. So now it's just Elton John, which is like, what what first world problems? Ugh! Now I only get to see Elton John. Ugh! What the fuck? Like <laughs> such a problem. But it was just like really cool to be like, yeah, two back to back Johns. It's gonna be a good to, a good you know start of the month. But he got COVID, which I feel bad about. Yeah, I, hope I he's mean, doing okay. As long as he was vaccinated, it should yeah. be relatively mild. Apparently, this is the second time getting COVID. Like he's had to postpone before. And then after these concerts, you got your honeymoon. I do. I'm very excited. I have tunnel vision. Like, you know how, like, you kind of stop doing, like, work before a vacation? Like, I'm there already. All right. Like, work is very much an afterthought. Sorry, employers. Do you, you want to tell us where you're going? Or um, We're going to California for a week. So we're spending a little bit of time in San Francisco and then L.A. And then flying down to Mexico uh, for a week. And we're doing Damn. a resort there. That's awesome. I'm very excited to, like, just be in the sun. I bought all these, like, dresses as if... The people in California know that it's a new dress. Like, it, it doesn't matter. But I, like... You know. Went out. And you yeah. feel good. Yeah. 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 I just... There's going to be, like, so much taco eating. Like, we've already found, like, all these taco trucks we want to go to. It's going to be good. But the question is, who's the real winner? And I think that's me, because I'm going to be staying with Pete for a week. <gasps> oh, yeah. You get to watch <laughs> Pete. He's excited about it. He, he won't stop talking about it. He won't stop talking about it. Uh, no, for, he loves you. For new listeners, Pete is Kim and Theo's dog. Mm-hmm. So... He's adorable. I think I've posted a picture of him before on the gram. Yeah, scroll He's a back. Ham. Well, I'll put another one. He's a ham. Yeah. We can always have more Pete. Yeah. So you're going on a trip, and I recently took a trip, although nowhere near as exciting. 
Uh, I beg to differ. You had a sister trip. I, I mean, that was one one night of it, which was mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, we, we did a family trip. We finally had our Christmas because there was COVID in our house over Christmas. So we uh, we had a couple month delay, but we finally got to get up to New England and, and see all of our family. And yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. You know, I like seeing my brothers. I'm going on a trip with one of them in June. We're going mm-hmm. to British Columbia, which is very exciting. And then we went up to see Sean's family and hang out with them for a bit. We got spoiled rotten by his mom. Nice. That's always fun. As always. And then, yeah, we had a sister night, which was a blast. We played games, had drinks. Ashley made shark coochie. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw that. <laughs> yes. Um, and Carrie actually went and bought herself a shark coochie board. Like it literally says it's in the shape of a shark and oh it God. says shark coochie. How did this shark coochie start? I don't know. I think it's some, <laughs> it, it's a bigger thing than us because there is actually like, if you go on Etsy, you can really? look up for shark coochery oh my God. and it will bring all of these things up. So I feel like it must've started with some person who like didn't know how to say it or and how just to spell up <laughs> and just like, just wrote it. And then like, we're all kind of just making fun of this person now, but it's yeah. fun. But they, it is. They're in on the joke. Maybe. And hopefully Carrie loves sharks. So it's a double win for her. She, That's awesome. she always talks about how sharks are so misunderstood. There's a lot of people like that who yeah. are like very much like sharks, the great forgiver. Yeah. She's, she's 100% pro shark. Which, you know, I have nothing against sharks. They're cool. They're cool. Um, but, you know, we I like how you're putting like this. Defa- like there's going to be a shark like <laughs> these motherfuckers. <laughs> how dare they? <laughs> well, I'm worried about the shark fandom more than anything oh. else. I'm not worried about the sharks themselves. <laughs> you can't fuck around with the shark fandom. But I, I am having like, I don't want to say regrets because it was awesome to see family, mm-hmm. but like I fell behind in so much school stuff and I have so That's much grading to do this week. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, usually Saturday is like a day that I don't do any work at all, but mm-hmm. I had to do lesson plans and all that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to classes again and being in person. I did them on zoom this week, but yeah, it's a, it's much better in person. That's what she said. I would hope so. Speaking of she, Okay, let's get to let's get to the lady of the hour. That's good. I like your transition. <laughs> this episode, we're actually going to be looking at a very contemporary woman, a very yeah. young woman, uh, the one and only Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, U.S. Congresswoman from New York's 14th district, and the youngest woman elected to Congress. We'll talk about her life before her political career, the reactions to her win, and her approach to political leadership. Then we'll move beyond her big reputation and take a look at the accomplishments she has achieved as a congresswoman. And finally, we'll talk about the impact Ocasio-Cortez has had on her district in New York City, on Washington, and the country at large, and maybe even speculate a little bit about the future. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was born October 13th, 1989 in the Bronx. That's in New York. Her parents, Blanca and Sergio, later had a son named Gabriel. The family of four lived in the Bronx neighborhood of Parkchester until Alexandria was five years old. Her parents met when her father, Sergio, was on vacation visiting family in Puerto Rico. He and Blanca fell in love, got married, and she moved to New York with him. So Sergio was an architect, and Blanca worked wherever she could, from mopping floors, driving school buses, to being a secretary, all while teaching herself English. Good for her. Right? That I must mean, be hard. 
Her parents made the move from the Bronx to Yorktown Heights in search of a better education for their kids. Now, Yorktown Heights was about 30 minutes upstate from the Bronx, and it was a wealthier zip code. Now, what does this mean? I mean, more affluent school districts receive a greater amount of funding per student than poorer districts, which is kind of messed up within the same city. Yeah. Like the fact that wealthy, like the taxes in New York neighborhoods go to schools in those neighborhoods and not to Mm. the whole city at large. Yeah. So like depending on where you're situated, your school might be a hot mess. Right. Exactly. You know, um, so... In this case, we're talking about better technology, better teacher retention, and better access to resources. And it worked out. AOC and her brother excelled at Yorktown High School. She came in second place at the International Science and Engineering Fair in 2007. For this and her work studying microbiology, the MIT Lincoln Library named a small asteroid after her. Awesome. That's impressive. I don't have an asteroid. Well, you don't have, like, work studying microbiology so you don't even know that i do know that (laughs) (laughs) there are things about you i may not know but that is one thing i know (laughs) after high school uh ocasio cortez attended boston university to study international relations and economics so she has a background in the political realm that Mm -hmm. she's now involved in right for anybody who's just like oh she's just a bartender blah 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 right there she has (laughs) she has a a background in Mm -hmm. in this like she literally went to school for this exactly but unfortunately during her second year her father sergio lost his battle with lung cancer and passed away aoc spent her last years in college fighting with lawyers to settle her father's estate he died without a will She also served as an intern for Senator Ted Kennedy, focusing on foreign affairs and immigration issues. So she went to school for all of this. (laughs) With all this, she still managed to graduate cum laude from Boston University in 2011 with a BA. Yeah, good for her. Mm -hmm. You know, I was supposed to meet Ted Kennedy. What happened? He didn't show. <laughs> no, remember when I went to Washington? That trip I took to Washington. Oh yeah, with yeah. the and I met John Kerry yes. and uh, Barney Frank, but uh, I did not. Ted Kennedy. I don't think he was in the office that yeah. day. But his people met with us, so they didn't like blow us off. They yeah, just, he, he wasn't, wasn't like around. he's busy. Scram, go see this comedy show. <laughs> I mean, why not both? <laughs> In an interview with MSNBC's Morning Joe, AOC speaks about the loss of her father and the legal troubles afterward. She talks about them as a life-changing event in so many ways. And, and she says, When my father died, my family was on the brink of foreclosure. My father passed away during the financial crisis. That's why I started waitressing and bartending so that she, her mother, could keep her home. And honestly, that's a very, like, I mean, that's a good thing in, in many cultures, but it's mm-hmm. definitely a, a thing that's very heavily emphasized in the Latino community. Yeah. AOC notes that this is why she can understand the pain of working class Americans, because she is one. So AOC moves back to the Bronx so that she could be closer to her jobs. Any extra time is spent with family or volunteering on a Bernie Sanders presidential campaign. Now, Sanders didn't make it past the primaries. <sighs> just a moment of silence. I just found my... Uh, Burn down for what t-shirt? Oh, I'll post that. Which I bought so that I could wear when I voted for him in the primaries. And then I planned on wearing it when I voted for him for the national election. But that didn't happen. So It did not. Um, I actually went up to his rally in the Bronx, but I didn't get in. Really? Yeah, I was so far back in the line. But I was working up in the Bronx back then. So it wasn't very far from Hostos where mm-hmm. I was 
where I was working. Uh, so I was like, well, let me try it. I might as well. Yeah. But I think we were probably a couple hundred people from getting in, actually. Did you ever see the interview he did with, uh, speaking of all people we like, uh, Mark Ruffalo? They're just <laughs> walking around the Brooklyn College campus. Mm-hmm. And then like I learned like both of them went there. And I was like, I went there. What do you guys just do? And just walking around the campus, like having this interview. And it's like a really great let's just like talk about politics like these two dudes like nice. casual and it's it was really nice i'll see if i could find that yeah props to cuny just yeah. want to shout out cuny here because you know Woo-hoo. i'm very pro cuny but while she was working with sanders campaign aoc made a group of like-minded political friends together they visited places like flint michigan which was suffering from water crisis and standing rock At the Standing Rock Indian Reservation, she protested with many members of the Standing Rock tribe and surrounding communities, all against the the pipeline. The pipeline was a serious threat to the region's water, the ancient burial grounds, and the historical and historically important cultural sites. Yeah, it was at Standing Rock that AOC's life was changed, really. Um, Police have acknowledged using sponge, beanbag, and stinger ammunition rounds. So I like looked on youtube because i was like what the hell is a stinger around and they had like this big pile of like this like gelatin that's supposed to like represent a person and like when shot at it it took like chunks off so like these like stinger rounds are like a real deal like it's not gonna kill you but it's really gonna hurt no and i mean we saw a lot of this with the uh george floyd protest yeah. as well in 2020 with the uh, the rubber bullets mm-hmm, and, and the all bags yeah Uh, They also used tear gas grenades, pepper spray, mace, tasers, water cannons, and sound weapons, all against American protesters. AOC saw others putting their whole lives and everything they had on the line to protect their own community. This inspired her to uh, start working for her own community as well. In an article written for The Cut magazine, Ocasio-Cortez says, I saw how a corporation had literally militarized itself against the American people. And I just felt like we were at a point where we couldn't afford to ignore politics anymore. We couldn't afford to write off our collective power in self-governance anymore out of cynicism. It was the day that I got off camp that a national organization, Brand New Congress, called me and asked if I'd be willing to run. So the Brand New Congress is an American political committee looking to help elect new and progressive congressional representatives that fall in line with their political platform. So their aim is to create literally that, a brand new Congress Mm -hmm. where the power rests in the hands of everyday people. So they work with Republicans and Democratic candidates, non-career politicians. So they're looking for people who actually live in the communities that they're trying to change. That's that's really key, right? Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I think why we need term limits in this country. Oh, hell yeah. And and not just term limits for presidents, term limits for Congress people, mm-hmm. term limits for uh, senators, term limits for Supreme Court justices. Yeah. Please. Please. We need to get rid of a few of them. <laughs> we can't just like wait for them all to die. You know, I'm really excited for the new, the new nominee. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they'll be able to get everything through before they... I mean, the Democrats have the House and Senate still. Yeah. And so they have a good chance because that's a lot of the reason why they didn't get their candidate through last time. But uh, Katanji Brown, mm-hmm. I believe, is his current nominee. So um, I don't know. I'm just excited to see like a black woman up there. Like, yeah. I just think that her life experience and her work is going to... I know that's so important. And as like she's going to bring so much to the so table. So much. Yeah. And you've got a Latino woman mm-hmm. and you've got a white woman and you've got 
someone who's supposed to be a woman but votes against women. But, you know, whatever. We're up to four female bodies on mm-hmm. the Supreme Court. Yeah. <laughs> and why, why not eight? Why not all nine? Isn't that what RBG said? Yeah. When will it be equal or something? I'm yeah. Sure when that all, quote. Yeah. 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 That, that was in an episode of Why Do We Read This? I definitely talked about that at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, it really does. It really emphasizes how we need term limits on all mm-hmm. of these positions because for people who are so entrenched in this political system, they lose, they lose grip with the people. Yeah. And we'll talk about that with Crowley oh, yeah. a bit later. Now, AOC's brother, Gabriel, actually nominated her. And in April of 2017, Ocasio-Cortez started her campaign. She was still waiting tables and tending bar at Flats Fix, which is a bar in Union Square in New York City. So I've been there and she was actually my bartender and my waitress. And I wish I could be like, oh, she was amazing. We had this great conversation, but like, don't remember her. I remember seeing her and I remember there was a good margarita and she carried like a really heavy bucket of ice and I was impressed but like I don't remember like we didn't have like a conversation <laughs> I wish I could be like I can see that bucket of ice because we had that same bucket at Barnes and Noble oh my the god cafe. yeah yeah it's, that is the bucket the bucket of ice <laughs> yeah but yeah I just was like damn this girl's strong and that was it because I was in there by my I got there so early I was waiting for someone and I was like damn she's strong and, and I was like this margarita is really good she did her and job and she just yeah got to it you which know? I guess I would remember her if it was a shitty experience <laughs> <laughs> that's unfortunate right yeah but everything was normal awesome she's good at her job well so now <laughs> we're at the point where AOC is running to represent New York's 14th congressional district which so for those who aren't familiar, which I assume is most people, because I wasn't super familiar with, even, like I knew approximately where. Yeah. But also it's Queens. And the Bronx. Yeah. Right? So the 14th Congressional District includes the Eastern Bronx and parts of North Central Queens, including Sunnyside, Woodside, Jackson Heights, and the Corona area. And this is important because she is living where she's representing. Mm-hmm. And that we don't see all the time. This seat that she was running for was actually being held by a man named Joe Crowley. And he had been in that position for years, too many years. Yeah. Uh, no one had ever run against him. Right. This is a thing in, in certain districts. Like they just assume this person's going to get in. So they don't yeah. actually run against no them. One runs like, against you. Yeah. You're on the ballot and people just check you where they don't. And you just keep your job. And because this area of New York is definitely more democratic leaning they're going to vote for him each time so people don't necessarily even bother to run against him but Mm. here comes aoc so this is all very well documented in the film knock down the house it's on netflix it's amazing so the race starts off very david and goliath uh crowley's in charge he had years of political power and connections behind him so we're not we're not saying that joe was a bad guy he's a democrat and new york city is a very blue state so he probably thought he had nothing to worry about like all those years of problem yeah exactly that complacency is the problem Mm -hmm. it was all those years in office that made him really comfortable it was a given that he would win so like you said like why put any effort in now the crowley's lived in a huge house in a suburb of wait for it arlington virginia where his three kids attended the community's nationally renowned public schools she doesn't even go here (laughs) most representatives from the city keep their families in their home districts and have a place near the capital for when the house is in session Crowley did something different where he moved his whole family closer to him. And and like, I get it. I get wanting to be close to your family, 
But if you don't have reasons to bring you back to your district, exactly. you become disconnected mm-hmm. from them. So his commute was mostly from Virginia to Washington, and it didn't often include stops at his house in Woodside. So he did still have a residence yeah. in Woodside, but... He just wasn't there. He was not an active member of the community. Yeah, and AOC is from the Bronx. He's mm. from Woodside. They're very different neighborhoods, even yeah. if they're part of the same district. Mm. So it makes sense, uh, since he wasn't there, why he wouldn't show up to a scheduled debate that was supposed to occur between him and AOC. What doesn't make sense is why he sent a surrogate to debate on his behalf, a Latino congresswoman who was wildly unprepared for this debate. So he probably had this mentality of like, well, if they're listening to a white guy versus a Latina, they Mm -hmm. may sympathize with her more. But if I have a Latina show up to like represent me, that's going to change things i think it was like wait where is she going she's going to the bronx send the latina send the latina oh queens send the white guy like i think it was a how do the demographics work in this area Mm, i think it was that yeah that's a that's a real good point after this quote-unquote debate orcasio cortez stayed around and she spoke to the community it was kind of like a town hall at that point. Yeah, they all just kind of... It's it's really well done in the documentary. Like, it's over. This lady leaves. AOC sticks around and she's talking to, like, um, there's Persian people. There's, like, Yemeni people who are talking about, like, this the rent and, like, things happening in their community. And she sits there and she talks to them. Yeah. And I, that was just, like, an open forum of her, like, discussing their needs. And you can tell when she's talking to them that she's not bothered she's not pandering like she's like she's not checking her watch yeah she's like the whole day she cleared her whole day for this yeah she doesn't have a meeting to go to after this and i get it like she wasn't in office yet but it also like she was campaigning she was working but she made sure that she had time to sit and talk to these people afterwards Mm -hmm. and even after this day she she follows up Mm -hmm. she goes around and knocks on doors herself right not just sending people talking for her she ends up sitting on stoops and listening to the people she walked until her shoes had cracks in the soles now i love that because like that's a bit from the documentary yeah well like they're actual like pictures of her like really disgusting looking shoes with cracks all in them but you think about you think about what that means in new york city like how much walking you have to do Mm -hmm. and that's why i said it like that because it really like to me it really has much more of an impact than just like oh she had some old shoes or whatever it was like no she like new york can do damage to your shoes you just she didn't care she just did what she had to do i love it then on june 26 2018 which was primary day her hard work paid off ocasio cortez received 57 percent of the vote to crowley's 42 percent ending his 10-term run which even now with our ranked voting would have given her the win because you have oh, to yeah, get absolutely. over 50%. Mm-hmm. So AOC becomes became the Democratic representative on the ballot against Republican nominee Anthony Pappas in the November 6th general election. So Pappas didn't actively campaign and he lost. <laughs> so AOC took 78% of the vote in that one. Yeah, this one made her the official U.S. representative for New York's 14th Congressional District. She was sworn into Congress on January 3rd, 2019, wearing all white. This was a nod to the suffragettes who first fought for women's right to vote. (laughs) 
So AOC wins and it's a very big deal. Well, at least here. So do you remember the first time that AOC popped up on your radar? I honestly don't. I just remember one day she was there, right? Like, mm-hmm. I know it was before the general election for sure, because it was like it was on the news and it was it was a big thing. But I don't remember if it was before or after the primary. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yes, I live in New York, but I don't live in the 14th district. Uh, yeah. So she wasn't my candidate. But I do remember that being one of the races that I was actually paying attention to that mm-hmm. year. I... I don't think I was. <laughs> so I think I was paying attention to like things that were happening in my area. And we still have New York one. And if you live in New York city, New York one is amazing. And it only works on like one cable network. So yeah, we no longer have New York one. And that makes me sad, but they were doing a, like a primary roundhouse where they were going to like everyone's site. And one of the reporters was actually there when they announced it. And the look on like her uh, AOC's face when she wins was so magical that I was like, who is this girl? I want to know more. Like, she's so young. Like, what is this? So that's how I first heard about her. I think the saddest thing about the documentary, Knock Down the House, was that they all didn't win. Like, I know that's yeah. the reality of it, but like, I just, I was rooting for all of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the celebration didn't last too long. I mean, that that joyous celebration, mm-hmm. because the first bit of hate that was sent her way was that, oh, she's just an anomaly. Mm-hmm. You're, you're just an, an anomaly. That's, it's a glitch. It won't happen again. Right? The theory was that it was a fluke and that she was not the face of a changing movement. Lots of people were quick to downplay her victories, speculating that New York City votes Democratic, so of course she won. But even uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said, very rudely in my opinion, But those are districts that are sadly Democratic. This glass of water could win with a D next to its name in those districts. And then she sipped from a glass of water in front of her. Ew. But it's like, come on, Nancy. Like, who's you're supposed to be on the same team. Like, who, what are you doing? Right? Come on. Same team, like, politically. And don't, don't, like, disrespect the ladies when you're a lady. Like, come on. Like, women supporting women. Exactly. And honestly, this argument about Democrats always winning might hold up in terms of winning against Pappas, who was a Republican. Like, Mm -hmm. I get that. And especially the guy didn't actively campaign or anything. The unseating of Crowley, like, that's a big deal. He was a 10-term Democrat. That's basically, like, you're in line to be in a lifelong position if that's what you want, and especially in a district that tends to vote blue each time. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't blue enough for them. And so they voted for AOC because she showed people that she cared. She didn't just say that she did. Yeah. Her ethnicity was also given as a reason to dismiss why she might have won. Latinx people vote for Latinx people. Michael Blake, the vice chairman of the Democratic National Committee, was quoted as saying, a lot of people of color were excited about a young woman of color. People say demographics are destiny, and you can't ignore that reality when looking at the numbers here. Like, this is my... I just... Again, same team. Why yeah. are you downplaying this woman's victory? Mm-hmm. And if why she's you on just, your team? And like you're just dismissing that, like all Latin people are a monolith, and of course they're going to vote for the Latin person because Latin people, Latin people. Like that's just ignorance. Yeah. yeah. So AOC actually responded to the statement by saying, it would be a huge mistake to just say that this election happened because X demographics live here. That is to absolutely miss the entire point of what we just accomplished. 
And also, yeah, they just won. And this was like the next day. People like, were like, mm, I don't know if you should have won because this, this and that. Calm yourself. Like, right? let's see what she can do and then mm-hmm. be the judge. Anyway, there wasn't one single factor that led to Crowley's defeat. And that's important to recognize. Were there things he could have done? Sure. Like, you know, maybe live in the district or at least show up for the debates right? that were taking place. But there were demographic and generational changes happening in these areas. The idea of an insider versus a political outsider, you know, people were willing to take the chance outside the system. Because especially when talking the primaries, right? Mm -hmm. In the primaries, you vote for what you truly believe in. Yeah. And then when it comes to the general election, you're like, well, this is the guy I've got to vote for. Yeah, this is who I got to vote for. Yeah. But people were willing to take that chance. And Crowley and Ocasio-Cortez had very different campaign methods, Mm -hmm. right? His was kind of this traditional, like, oh, I'm just this guy you should vote for. Mm-hmm. Vote for me. Here's a thick pamphlet with my face on it. Yeah. <laughs> and AOC had sort of a, a digital campaign style, mm-hmm. right? And and this modern age organizing really helped promote her, I think. It, it, was, it was really the cumulative weight of all of these factors, mm-hmm. though, and not just one by itself. Ocasio-Cortez continued merging the political world and the digital world by documenting her first week in Washington. She was giving people insight to what actually happens on Capitol Hill. Like, did you know that the Congress people get swag bags? I mean, yeah. I like a good swag bag. It's Speaking so- of swag bags, you should get yourself a bag at Redbubble Big Reputations merch. <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> so their swag bag just had like a uh, security uh, like they need like different phones and laptops that have like more security on them so and then real swag for real so real swag yeah but there was like a very cute looking tote bag i'm a sucker for a good tote bag so anyway so beyond the swag bags they get business card samples and she even walks you through how to pick an office pick an office you don't just get a signed one no like there's like it's like a lottery system oh yeah so this is all on her instagram you can still see it like she goes through how you set up meetings, just like meeting people down the hall, hanging out with the other new representatives. AOC gave us all the lowdown. And it's also on her Instagram. You can watch it. I mean, Ocasio-Cortez has really provided us with so much transparency about how the system works. Mm -hmm. She has videos and they're interspersed with her own thoughts, her emotions, and pep talks. She also breaks down political practices and, you know, the big words and terms they all use in a way that feels like learning from a friend, not a lecture. Mm-hmm. And of course, everybody loves that she's so open and honest online, right? No. Of course they don't. No, they do. Of course Come they don't. <laughs> so she's been accused of showing off, behaving like a teenager, and even risking the security of others who work at the Capitol by filming there. Even though AOC is not a political insider, she still has respect for the office that she holds, mm-hmm. right? She's not trying to abolish Congress. Yeah. Uh, But she doesn't want the whole system cloaked in this shroud of mystery, right? She has a very government is for everyone way of thinking. And if we live in a democracy, the government is supposed to represent the people. Exactly. We are supposed to be the government. Mm -hmm. So why not bring us there to take a look at it? Exactly. AOC is as active on Twitter and Instagram as the rest of us are. She reacts to whatever's happening around her and whatever's being said about her. She doesn't just reach out to the press when it's like fundraising time. She's taking us along the road with her. Like we're all there digitally. It's so important though, because it gives you an insight into how the system works. Mm -hmm. Well, well, a lot of her critics are coming from her own side of the Island. The true hate is really coming from conservative men. 
In an article written for Vogue, writer Molly Jonkfast asks, why are conservative men so obsessed with AOC? Jonkfast starts the conversation by saying, powerful women are one of Republicans' go-to punching bags. Facts. But why? I think it's too easy to blame misogyny. Sure, the Republican Party has many misogynistic tendencies. They elected Donald J. Trump. They let the Violence Against Women Act expire. They don't believe in paid leave or legal abortions. But I think there's more to it than that. AOC is getting stuff done, and she's vocal about it. She's getting these things done without having rich parents or taking money from super PACs. So super PACs are basically like huge corporations that will donate money. So like an example is like, say you, Rebecca, are running for Queen of Brooklyn. Yeah. And I gave you a bunch of money towards your campaign. And later, I might ask you for a favor. So, like, you win, you're Queen of Brooklyn, and all your townspeople are like, hey, we should get rid of guns. And I come and I say, hey, I sell guns, so you can't get rid of them. Remember all that money I gave you? You owe me a favor. Yeah. So that's basically what the super PACs are. Like, they might not always call out their favors, but most of the time they do. And once you're in Congress, like, the same thing happens with the lobbyists. The lobbyists, yeah. So now you have people who you're beholden to all over the place so she's not taking money from super PAC. so yeah it's she, harder to get things done like she's doing lots of grassroots donations and she makes people want to donate mm-hmm. right so yeah just last year you know when the winter storms crushed texas's power grid you know ted cruz senator from texas mm. he went to mexico on vacation he's like oh i'm just gonna take my kids on a trip which he like blamed his kids for her. That's what he was like, yeah, my daughters want to like go. So I had to take them. Yeah. You know so. what? I want to go places too. My parents never yeah. took me. There's like a rumor that like his oldest daughter hates him, which I'm like, I don't want people to hate their parents. But like if your dad is Ted Cruz, I'm like, <laughs> I get it. Well, uh, maybe I'll find that story. I, yeah. it's, there's like a Christmas card picture where she looks like very, it's either she hates him and wants to let people know, or she's a teenager. Like who knows, you know, right. why exactly. not both? We, but, don't, we don't have, we don't have the verification at this point. Yeah. But, but I mean, if, if my dad was like, yeah, I wasn't gonna go, but like my kids made me and made me like the butt of it, then I would be pretty mad too. Also, if you're a parent, learn how to say no. Exactly. You can say no to the American people plenty. Mm. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. While he was on vacation, AOC raised around $5 million for those who were affected by the storm. She raised another 26000 for an abortion fund on her Instagram. Is She's doing the work that conservatives won't do. Mm. And this makes them sick. Like, why? Get over it. Like, we're people helping people. That's the job of the government. Ugh. But what do you do when you can't stop something? You, you just throw things in the way to slow it down? Like the cruise ship in Speed 2. <laughs> Speed 2, a reference I never thought we'd be making, but here we are. I knew, I knew we'd get here. AOC's <laughs> childhood has been questioned with intent to discredit her. People claim that her time spent in Yorktown Heights means that her family was actually wealthy. Her whole poor kid from the Bronx tale is a lie they say. Ocasio-Cortez has spoken often and openly about her family's struggles with money. In an interview with Bon Appetit... Who knew that they had, like, articles that weren't about food? I had no clue. Well, in this interview, she said, the thing that people don't realize is that wherever there's affluence, there's an underclass. There's a service class. And that's what I grew up in, scrubbing toilets with my mom. 
kind of makes me think of Typhoid Mary and all the like wealthy families that she was living yeah. with. Who like didn't even really acknowledge her or didn't think that they would get sick because like we're so rich and wealthy. Exactly. There, yeah. There's this, such a separation of class. There's like the, what is it, upstairs, downstairs? Yeah. 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 But I feel like people don't see that, that modern people, I don't think, see that defining line. Like, so my story is like similar, but like not similar. So like I went to a high school that was like very expensive. It was in Queens. And I only came from a, a single parent household. So like the money my mom had for school was like, school rent food and there wasn't like a lot of wiggle room for other things but like i would go to school with these people who had like prada bags and you know like sweet 16s or they like got limos and stuff and like i could never afford that but from their perspective like we're both sitting in this classroom together like you probably are on the same level as me and like they don't think about things like that Mm -hmm. where it's like if my mom doesn't go to work next week like i might not be here next year you know, like I might not be able to afford it. No, that's a really important point that people don't think about what they don't know. Yeah, it just it being like the least wealthy in a wealthy situation is like a real it's a real mind fuck. Like it's a it's a certain place to be in. And I don't think people think about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But the argument that people bring up, like, doesn't make sense to me. Like the argument of her not being poor is weird. So like, let's say that she was just some rich lady who won the election by being rich and like using her rich lady voice to <laughs> get there. So now she's this rich lady who's like helping people who aren't as wealthy as her. What would be wrong with that? No, yeah, nothing. Cause yeah. she had, she would have the money. So it would be, it would be like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? That would be like her benevolence mm-hmm. as a wealthy person sort of to help those below her. But if there's someone who is from a lower class that is working up, mm-hmm. that upward mobility gets diminished and smashed down. Well, I feel like it was more of a way for them to get the working class to dislike her. Like, mm. oh, you're not really a part of the working class. You're a rich lady. Don't listen to her. She doesn't even go here. <laughs> She's rich. She doesn't know your plight. Don't listen to her. No. So that- then poorer people will be like, oh, why would we listen to this lady? Let's just do what we've been doing this whole time. That's, that makes total sense, that's, really. It's gross. That's it is so but gross. That's a manipulative tool that's yeah. been used for generations. When you were talking about poor Irish and Italian immigrants... Mm-hmm. And pitting them against the formerly enslaved African-Americans yeah. and saying, oh, they're not like you. You want to be against each other. You're with us. We're white. They're white. You know, or we're white. You're white. Yeah. We're on the same team. We're against them. Rather than saying, you're poor. They're poor. That's, you fight together. You don't want that because mm, that's how the powers rise up. But you know what's embarrassing i think for everyone is that we still have that like this is not a political podcast but like now i'm on a soapbox about it the (laughs) fact that it's still red versus blue when it should be poor versus rich Mm -hmm. like these people who are just like i don't want america to change because blah 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 and it's like but that is not the point the point is that you can't afford where you live and it's your own people doing it to you Mm -hmm. like and i mean on to some extent it's our own people doing it to us as well but it's really it's much more of a class system than it is right versus left. And I, people get like really stuck in that. And it's just, it's so dumb and embarrassing because we could be so much further if all of us just got together and ate the fucking rich. (laughs) You know, I think what you're saying really ties into more of these ways that people tried to 
like dismiss AOC and to speak ill of her because she was just a bartender, mm-hmm. right? Labeling her as unskilled, <clears throat> Mayor Adams. Oh, he's the worst. You know, and and not smart enough to be in Congress. That was their that was their move. Mm-hmm. And like it should be surprising because America's made up of working class people, but again, that red versus blue nonsense yeah. instead of like one social class rising up against those we eat the rich like you said and the thing is why should she be embarrassed she has a steady job yeah she is working to support herself to support her family and to live in honestly one of the most expensive cities in the country right like it's not like it's west virginia or something like it's expensive to live here so like you would have two jobs if you if you need to be in that position and it shouldn't be embarrassing you're right Honestly, AOC, she had a response to this type of jab, and it was really gold. At one point, she says, I'm proud to be a bartender. Ain't nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with working retail. There's nothing wrong with working retail, folding clothes for other people to buy. There's nothing wrong with preparing the food that your neighbors will eat. There is nothing wrong with driving the buses that take your family to work. There's nothing wrong with being a working person in the United States of America, and there is everything dignified about it. I, in fact, am encouraged when people remind the country of my past, not because of anything about my story, but because it communicates that if I could work in a restaurant and become a member of the U.S. Congress, so can you. And that's a tough one because it really is difficult. And we talked about this a little bit in our last episode with women running for political positions and how difficult finding the funding is. She lived in a place that was very able to support her move because she supported them but that's not true in every district in this country Mm -hmm. and it's it's more of a struggle let's say Mm -hmm. like just her being able to actually like go to these debates and like make time to like see people it might have been a little bit easier because new york city is so much closer together and like the districts are closer together but imagine if like you had to drive hours to get to like another district and you're trying to campaign and no one knows you Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm but apparently all things about AOC were uh, fair to mock. They were fair game. Yeah. Including her fashion choices. Oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. In 2018, a reporter tweeted a picture taken, a picture of AOC taken from behind, criticizing her clothes as being too nice, saying that they didn't match her working class public persona. Her jacket was too expensive looking. So, like, I poor can. people can only wear poor things. Yeah. But if they're poor, then they don't belong in spaces where wealthy are. Exactly. She responded like she does. If I walked into Congress wearing a sack, they would laugh and take a picture of my backside. If I walk in with my best sales rack clothing, they laugh and take a picture of my backside. There's just like not a way to win. Well, so and that's it. Wear like, whatever you want, I guess. Girl shopping at Nordstrom Rack or whatever, mm-hmm. something like she's not spending thousands of dollars on yeah. it. And if she is, she is doing so to fit in with this world that she yeah. is is being a part of in order to be taken seriously mm. unfortunately that's a part of it i do believe they also have rules in congress so they have the dress code mm-hmm. and oh, i'm not gonna remember it but i'll put it on this is my, that's my thing i'll put it on the instagram later Corey bush i believe she tweeted like where do i find like these clothes are getting really expensive like where can i find like nice clothes to wear on the congress floor and aoc responded like thrift shops like you can go here and get this stuff so this coat that might have been like very wealthy and expensive could have been something that she thrifted Mm -hmm. so like they don't they have no clue yeah no they don't even know what that means yeah Uh, even haircuts get called out 
right? The Washington Times insinuates that it's hypocritical for a democratic socialist to spend an estimated $300 on a trip to Salon. She got a haircut and highlights. Honestly, for NYC, that's not outrageous. Like, I literally pay that much for my cut and color with a tip in Brooklyn. Like, it's not shocking. It's a lot of money. Yes, for those of you outside of the city, it is a lot of money. Mm -hmm. But it's a different world here in terms of the expenses. And I went to places where the haircuts were cheaper and I did not walk out. <laughs> like, did happy. you regret it instantly? <laughs> Almost. Yeah. You know, at least after I washed it and I was like, well, how do I style this now? Because as someone with short hair in particular, mm-hmm. like you can't just throw it back in a ponytail. Yeah. And as someone on the Congress floor, she often has to do other things with her hair exactly. as well. She could, you, what, what hell would break loose if she showed up with a messy bun one day? I'm just imagining like the way my sister Carrie wears her hair and like the messy bun on the tip top mm-hmm. and just like flops over to the side. Like that's the new congressional hair look. That, like they I'm would for send it. her home. They would be like this messy bitch showed up with her rich shoes and her messy hair. How dare she? How dare? And then there's the whole Latina thing. Like let's not even. Well, we're going to go there. I was going <laughs> to say let's not go there, but we're going to go there. A Fox News anchor actually accused AOC of playing up the whole Latina thing when she was pronouncing her name. They had an issue with how many rolling R's she was using and accused her of being over the top for using a hyphenated last name. Like, literally, the thing is, her last name is not probably not hyphenated, mm-hmm. but in order to have both of her last names accounted for in the proper order, a lot of Latinx people have to hyphenate their last name so that like in terms of alphabetizing things it can throw things off when there's because they a lot of them have two last names she's got a tweet about that yeah Yeah. (laughs) i I feel like with aoc it's like she's got a tweet for that like for everything (laughs) like she definitely like addressed it because it's it's a cultural thing and it's like if you i don't know never been outside of your state and never met somebody who is different from you oh my god how weird her hyphenated last name all those r's in her name which like there's not that many fucking r's so like what are they even talking about yeah but like fox news spent a lot of time about just talking about shit they didn't know about. So they also spent a lot of time um, mispronouncing her name, mm-hmm. which if done on purpose, which I'm pretty sure it was, um, it's a very specific way of like trying to diminish somebody. It's taking away their power. It's erasing their identity. It's saying, I don't even care enough about you to say your name properly. You don't matter. And it's rude. Yeah. And and honestly, it would not be surprising if that were intentional. Mm-hmm. But Ocasio-Cortez fired back via tweet, as she does, mm-hmm. saying... If by the Latina thing, she means I actually do the work instead of just talking about it, then yeah, I'm doing the Latina thing. Unless, of course, she's talking about being multilingual, which we know isn't a Latina thing. It's a 21st century thing. I love that she just like doesn't even acknowledge whatever this person was trying to target and instead turns it around. Yeah, it's like these are the ways that you were wrong. Let's talk about that. It seems like this Fox anchor and others were fooled by the whole spicy Latina trope. Ugh. So it's made up and perpetuated by Hollywood. This cliche still haunts the Latina community, clearly. Yeah. This is something we actually talk quite a bit about in my Latinas class at Baruch. Mm. This trope actually labels Latino women as sexy, exotic, hot-blooded, hypersexual, combative, and loud with no filter. Now, I know what you're thinking. Hey, some of those qualities are good. And yeah, they are. But with this trope, that's all these women are allowed to be. And by sort of blocking them into this one 
type of individual, Mm -hmm. you're erasing the complexities and the nuances of the individuals of this community. You know, uh, sexy Latinas, they usually have super revealing clothing, right? They're busty. They have pouty lips, dark hair, olive skin. Their looks are hypnotizing and men simply can't resist themselves. When <laughs> I mean, oh my God, it's so disgusting. The spicy Latina is fiery. She fights hard and loves harder. She's just waiting to be tamed by a man. No, she's not. She's trying to break free of the freaking machismo patriarchal bullshit. Um, who's on the soapbox now? That's me. <laughs> you know, it, like the idea is that she's just surprised to be one. Fuck that. So I feel like uh, Tucker Carlson uh, in particular. Yeah, I know. I didn't. You, he talks about her so much. There was like not a way to not talk about him. But in particular, he is trapped behind this trope. Like he, the way that AOC lives in his head, completely rent free. You know that this man is suffering with the rage that this fantasy will never become a reality. Uh, like he wants, he wants her so badly and he's never going to get her. So all he can do is hate on her. Just like from outside of the club, just spewing hate at her constantly. Like she's never going to fall over in submission for him. And it drives him completely mad. So Tucker and other journalists at at Fox spent most of 2019 talking about AOC. So she was mentioned 3,181 times on Fox in a six-week time span. So basically they did a segment about her a day between February 25th and April 7th. Wow. Wow. She must be doing something right if they can't stop talking about her. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of Carlson, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, just the gag reflex kicks in. Speaking of Carlson, the heir to the Swanson frozen dinner fortune, in one of his most recent rants, he went on a 12 minute diatribe about AOC. He called her neurotic and silly. And the worst thing to happen to feminism. The worst, like the worst, really? Like, yeah, totally. The worst. If you've never read a history book, I guess. But still, no. But still, no. He also denied that she is a woman of color, calling her a rich, entitled white lady. Yeah, Ocasio-Cortez, super white. Like, he didn't even have anything, he didn't have anything political to say. Like, this was purely for incitement. Yeah. AOC responded like she does on Twitter just to point out that this is not normal. These attacks, while common, should not be taken lightly. We are all seeing how people can get riled up in a movement. January 6th, anybody? Just saying. Mm -hmm. Carlson has also spent a lot of time discussing AOC's looks and how she's obsessed with her looks. Or, you know, how he's obsessed with her looks. Mm -hmm. The real complaint Ocasio-Cortez has was that the right seemed to sexualize her too often. Tucker dismissed this by sexualizing her during a six-minute rant. That's funny. <laughs> is it funny or is it scary? It's, no, I mean... It's fucked up. It, it, it's funny that they are so tone-deaf about things. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I gotcha. Like, that it must be a joke. Like, it can't be real life over there. Like, it just doesn't make sense. But he can go and he does what he wants because there hasn't been any consequences and there probably won't be. He's loud and he has an audience, but you know what? So does AOC. Now, we will admit Ocasio-Cortez is not perfect, but she shouldn't be thought of as such either. Mm -hmm. Perfect is a myth. She's brave and she hopes others will be too. 
And honestly, it's very brave to run for office with a very limited political resume, but she did it. Trying is brave because you might fail. But if you do, guess what? You can try again. And it seems like the more she tries, the more she gets stuff done. Over her first term, she introduced a total of 23 pieces of legislation. Among them was her Loan Shark Prevention Act. Not regular sharks. No. Just loan (laughs) sharks. Sorry, Carrie. (laughs) This uh, act would cap credit card interest rates at 15%. Wow. Which is, like, have you ever had, when I was younger, like, I was not great with credit cards. And I definitely had one that was, like, 23%. Yeah. And it was just like, I keep paying this bill and it's not going anywhere. What's happening? Mm-hmm. Oh, because it's at 23%. Like, yeah, we literally had to get rid of our Capital One card and oh my refinance God, things. Yeah, yeah, same. And we're still paying that off. I finished it. But yeah, there's that was bad. Yeah, we, we got a five-year plan. So we're, we're getting there. Ocasio-Cortez also introduced a group of bills called Just Society. The plan is for those bills to work together to raise the federal poverty line include immigrants and social safety net programs, require federal contractors to pay a living wage, and uphold and strengthen renters' rights. She also has three amendments that she passed into law, and they were big ones. One moved $5 million from the failed War on Drugs campaign to treatment programs for opioid addiction. Yes. Which is smart. Like, if it's not working in one section, let's move it to the next section and see if it might work out better there. Mm Mm-hmm. Another gave $10 million to clean up toxic bombing ranges in Puerto Rico. Due to these military training exercises, Vieques is the most hazardous waste site in Puerto Rico, according to the Economic Protection Agency. She also worked with Senator Schumer of New York to include a funeral assistance program into the COVID-19 relief package. To date, the program has reimbursed over a billion dollars in funeral expenses to Americans who have lost loved ones to COVID-19. Do you remember that time that we saw Chuck Schumer at the diner? Yes. Yes, I do. In my neighborhood, he was trying to be all like, hey, how are you? Let me like, welcome. I'm your senator. He always is. So like I, Chuck Schumer, like is, I don't know if he's my cousin. He's like always in my life. So like (laughs) he did my graduation speech when I graduated from um, CUNY Brooklyn. Okay. He, one morning, so it was very funny. Like it was my now husband, then boyfriend. It was probably like a month two into dating and he had like slept over and we woke up like late the next day and we just hear like the sounds of like baseball and then we hear i'm chuck schumer and i want to welcome you all to like little league day and we're like what is happening (laughs) so we like go on the balcony and look out and like there's it's little league day there's all these little kids and like chuck schumer's on a mic just like talking and then i saw him on train on the train one day like i he's just like always around chuck schumer he he is around a lot yes i've seen him and his security detail around mm-hmm. yeah busy guy well not only does aoc stand up for the city she she stands up for the planet with the green new deal she's taken the stand that this planet needs she addressed climate change in a speech saying millennials and gen z and all these folks that come up after us are looking up and we're like the world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. And your biggest issue is how are we going to pay for it? So she was referencing a report from the federal government that said that climate is changing faster now than it has at any other point in modern history. And the impacts are already being felt. For this, of course, she was called an alarmist. But I guess those people are here for a good time and not a long time. Ugh. You're not wrong, though. Yeah, they're the- going to take us with them. And that's the problem. No, they definitely won't. I can only recycle but so much. 
That's that's true. A lot of this stuff that like the individuals can mm-hmm. do something, but it's we really need policy changes yes. for the corporations to to really make an impact. I remember I used to be like very pompous. I was like, I have I have a uh, sterling silver straws, and like I carry like my bags everywhere. Like I don't use any plastic, and like you should too. And I would like get mad at people for like using like single use containers. And I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter if like my neighbor gets takeout every day and gets like styrofoam containers because that one person is not doing the damage. Like it's these big corporations. So like, well, in New York, we actually made a change for that, right? No styrofoam containers are allowed any longer. So Mm -hmm. that does allow us to have multi-use containers. Like you can recycle those containers Mm -hmm. yourself or they are recyclable. Um, So there are changes being made, but they're local changes. Yeah. But that's not going to, and you need to, you need to start at the top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we can change as much as we want, but like Jersey is using huge styrofoam container. I got like a drink once and I was just like, oh my God, this is a styrofoam container. Are we in 1982? But it was just Jersey. <laughs> and it, it kept my drink, like my ice, ice for like hours. And I was like, oh, I guess this is why people use it. Like makes sense. But it also really I felt really guilty. But also it. I love my planet. And so. Yeah. I, I could deal with no ice. You know where I need ice? On the polar cap? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this Green New Deal that she proposed is a 10-year national mobilization, and it's similar to FDR's New Deal, uh, but for the environment. It would put millions to work with a living wage in a union job, and they would be repairing the nation's infrastructure and working to reduce air and water pollution. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds Mm -hmm. there. It'd be a huge undertaking as it calls for radical change. But, you know, Ocasio-Cortez is a visionary and she thinks that if we dedicate our resources to this, we can make that change happen. Mm-hmm. So besides standing up for the planet, she also stands up for herself in a way that teaches other women that they can too. When she was accosted on the steps of the Capitol by a fellow representative, a man named Ted Yoho, she didn't let it slide. Yoho took offense to something that she had said and he got in her face about it. He jammed his finger in her face and he told her that she was disgusting, crazy, and dangerous. AOC called him rude and then retreated inside to cast her vote, you know, since they were at work working. But when she exited the building, he was still there. This time he called her a fucking bitch in front of other representatives and reporters. Like, what would happen if that happened at your job? Uh... (laughs) I mean, first of all, I can't imagine it happening. But then again, I would assume that someone in Congress wouldn't expect this to happen either. So obviously it can happen anywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there would definitely be consequences. Yeah, like someone would be fired or suspended or at least relocated, I feel like, in my job. Yeah. Well, now Yoho's office has denied his comments, claiming that he, quote, made a brief comment to himself as he walked away, summarizing what he believes her policies to be. He later addressed the incident on the House floor, saying, Having been married for 45 years with two daughters, I'm very cognizant of my language. The offensive name-calling, words attributed to me by the press, were never spoken to my colleagues. And if they were construed that way, I apologize for their misunderstanding. Now, one thing I really hate is the excuse of like, oh, there are women in my life, so I wouldn't mistreat women. Like, no, that's just showing that you probably mistreat them as well. Exactly. Or saying. you don't care if someone else would either. Mm-hmm. So first off, like, reporters heard him and other rep- uh, other representatives heard him too, like Republican ones, so who have come forward. So you said it. You said it. You called her a bitch. Like, just admit to that. Mm-hmm. Second off, or secondly, secondsies, whatever. <laughs> if being a teenager has taught me anything, this is how you apologize when you don't care. 
You mm-hmm. don't feel that it's a very, I'm sorry you felt that way apology. And it's like clear. And thirdly, like, don't talk about your kids when apologizing for something that you did. It was insincere. And you're an adult. Take, like, just take the responsibility. Like, you did something shitty. People know you did something shitty. Just take the responsibility for it. Don't be like, well, my wife and kids and I, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, it's not about them. Don't even bring them into It's about you. You need to hold yourself accountable. Well, Ocasio-Cortez responded, this time not on Twitter, but with a 10-minute speech on the Senate floor. And we can't read all of it to you because it's a bit long, yeah. uh, but we're going to read a, a few chunks from it that it's just perfection. So she stated, Representative Yoho decided to come to the floor of the House of Representatives and make excuses for his behavior, and that I could not let go. I cannot allow my nieces. I cannot allow the little girls that I go home to. I cannot allow victims of verbal abuse and worse to see that. To see that excuse and to see that Congress accept it, accepts it as legitimate and accepts it as an apology and to accept silence as a form of acceptance. I could not allow that to stand, which is why I'm rising today to raise this point of personal privilege. She then went on to say, I do not need Representative Yoho to apologize to me. Clearly, he does not want to. Clearly, when given the opportunity, he will not. And I will not stay up late at night waiting for an apology from a man who has no remorse over calling women and using abusive language towards women. But what I do have issue with is using women, our wives and daughters, as shields and excuses for poor behavior. Mr. Yoho mentioned that he has a wife and two daughters. I'm two years younger than Mr. Yoho's youngest daughter. I'm someone's daughter, too. My father, thankfully, is not alive to see how Mr. Yoho treated his daughter. My mother got to see Mr. Yoho disrespect on the floor of this house towards me on television, and I am here because I have to show my parents that I am their daughter and that they did not raise me to accept abuse from men. And she wraps it up by saying, lastly, what I want to express to Mr. Yoho is gratitude. I want to thank him for showing the world that you can be a powerful man and accost women. You can have daughters and accost women without remorse. You can be married and accost women. You can take photos and project an image into the world of being a family man and accost women without remorse with a sense of impunity. It happens every day in this country. It happened here on the steps of our nation's capital. It happens when individuals who hold the highest office in the land admit to hurting women and using this language against all of us. These are some really strong words, but some that really resonate with many women throughout the country. Let's talk a little bit about her, her impact. Yeah. Like she's doing big things. Sure she is. Yeah. She's like, I feel like legacy is like strong because she's like just she's there. young. Yeah. But she's starting a legacy. Like this will be things that will be like, Oh, I forgot she did that when she's like president one day. Fingers crossed. That's me knocking on wood. <laughs> so she's making a lot of records. So she took office at the age of 29. What were you doing when you were 29? Like that's uh, impressive. I was moving to New York. Oh, so you were doing, no, maybe 29 is like the year to do big things. Yeah. yeah. I, that's when I started my PhD program. Oh, all right. Oh, you know what? Everybody's legacy starts at 29, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't started your legacy at 29, do not worry. Yeah, it starts There's whenever. Time. So like we said, she took office at the age of 29. Ocasio-Cortez is the youngest woman to ever serve in the United States Congress so far. She's also the youngest person to be named to the House Financial Services Committee. Here's where she oversees banking and lending, like that Loan Shark Prevention Act we were talking about. This is where it started. 
Her first speech from the House floor on January 16th in 2019 is still C-SPAN's most viewed. Not surprising. Yeah. Now, starting a legacy of being an independent spirit, AOC doesn't just go along to get along. Her first piece of legislation was the Green New Deal, which would slow down the effects of climate change while strengthening our economy. The plan is to create jobs, well-paid union jobs, repair our infrastructure, reduce pollution, and leave no community behind. She's made a pledge to not take any corporate hack money, meaning that she doesn't owe any favors or promises. She hasn't been bought out yet, and hopefully that won't change. Ocasio-Cortez is changing the game when it comes to social media and politics. Mm -hmm. She's taking big ideas and making them common sense. She looks to find common ground and to bring people together. She understands a lot of the time the priorities of Congress are not the working class American. Big business takes up way too much space in the conversation. Yeah, by bringing the average American into the conversation, you give them power. She gets people into the conversation by relating to them. Ocasio-Cortez hosts live streams on her Instagram where she'll even make dinner and talk about politics like you're in the room with her. So it's simple. Like, you're not taking a class. You can join whenever you want, leave whenever you want. It's like a friend explaining something to Mm. you. She appeals to the younger voter because she can relate to them in a genuine way. That's key, that word genuine that Mm -hmm. you brought up. She also appealed to gamers to join her online to get out the vote ahead of the U.S. election in November. She played a game called Among Us on Twitch, which is a, a live stream app for anyone not familiar. Over 400,000 people watched and interacted with this. And, you know, that's kind of a fun game that will bring in audiences, especially at that time. It was pretty mm-hmm. popular. Yeah. So she's arguably one of the best people on Twitter right now. So we're thinking of reading like a bunch of tweets here on the pod, but I found so many that like I just couldn't. So over the next week, we're going to be sharing our favorites on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. All right. So final thoughts, takeaways. This woman who is at the what we hope is the beginning of her career. A very long, long career. Yeah, I'm... I my final takeaways is that this is uh, episode one of AOC and hopefully there'll be many more. Um, she's really changing the game. Like I hope we end up covering her like annually just to yeah. update people on things that she's she's done. She's already changed the idea of what a congressperson could be. It's no longer just like old wealthy folks who have never actually held a job that wasn't political. Like she isn't waiting on them to fix issues. She's jumping in and she's taking ownership of the things that she's doing. Mm-hmm. And that's a real power move while others are just pandering. Like you said, like she's doing things like genuinely yeah like other people kind of pander for our votes and you can tell there's there's an obvious difference yeah and she's like not doing that other people are pandering especially to like minorities and women but like aoc is up there and she's like fighting and she's encouraging people to join her in the fight yeah and honestly what a great follow-up to our women's history month episode Mm -hmm. like here we have a woman who's not just saying what needs to be done. She's taking steps to ensure that changes can be made. Now, obviously, there's a lot of issues with our political system in the U.S. And making yes. changes takes a lot, mm-hmm. especially in such a divisive climate. But it's nice to feel like someone actually has our backs out there. And, yeah. and that's the impression I get from her. So before we wrap up the episode, we want to share a few references and resources that we used as part of our episode The first one is AOC, A Book of Essays. It's about AOC, and it's edited by Linda Lopez. Next is Knock Down the House, the documentary that we mentioned, which was directed by Rachel Lears. This is currently available on Netflix, so go check it out if you can. 
There's also Before AOC by Lisa Miller for New York Magazine. Uh, this is the February issue, February 2022 issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should, yeah, if it's not still on newsstands, you might be able to get a back issue of it. If you really want, I can lend it to you. <laughs> Reach out to the me on one Instagram. Person. <laughs> <laughs> one person. We'll start a, we'll mail it around to people. We'll start a list. But it wouldn't be surprising if they also have some variation of it available in an online format. Probably. Yeah. Another reference. We didn't talk about it so much here, but I thought it was a, a really good point. The article made like really good points. Um, How much has your zip code determined your opportunities mm. by Nicole Daniels written for the New York times. So it has more to do with uh, AOC's parents making the decision to move. You gotcha. know, they left their zip code for a more affluent zip code that might've gotten her to where she definitely got her to where she is now. So it's an interesting read. Um, It's on the New York Times website. So that's it for today, but be sure to let us know what you think. Are there other Latina women that you think we should cover? Follow the podcast on Twitter at Big Rep Pod and Instagram and TikTok at Big Reputations Pod. We're going to have a new TikTok up soon. Well, actually, probably already came out. Yeah. Go like it. Go like our TikTok. I worked so hard on them. Please go like them. (laughs) You can send us a message on any of these platforms or email us at bigreputationspod at gmail.com. And, you know, honestly, it's not just about women you could recommend, but it's your thoughts on the episodes. Mm-hmm. I think we're, we're very open to feedback and we encourage you to reach out. Yeah, so subscribe to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Share us with your friends, your family, your squad. Subscribe and leave us a five-star review. And be sure to snag some Big Reputations merch. Check out the Redbubble link in the show notes. You can order a variety of items there. And any purchases will help support our amazing logo designer, who I don't know if I told you this or if you saw this online, but she is currently expecting... Having a little baby. Having a little baby. That baby needs shoes. Go buy things. Yes. Yes. Making purchases on the Redbubble will help uh, supplement her income a little bit there. Don't you want to support a local woman business, woman-owned business? Yeah, I don't know if Redbubble is, but like support well, like it the goes artist. To her, so yes. yeah, uh, support her. Yes, we love you, Sam. <laughs> All right, so let's wrap this up. What quote do you have for us this week? So mine is from the star of the hour herself. Justice is about making sure that being polite is not the same as being quiet. In fact, oftentimes the most righteous thing you can do is shake the table. Believe AOC and believe women. <laughs>